2: Hi, I'm John Patrick Amadori. I played Aaron Rose on Gossip Girl, and we are re-watching The Magnificent Archibalds.
3: Welcome back, listeners, to your one and only source and to all things Gossip Girl. You know you'll love it. XOXO. Hello, and welcome back to XOXO. I'm your host, Jessica Zorr. And today, we are getting right into Season 2, Episode 11, The Magnificent Archibalds. This is a Thanksgiving episode, which in the Gossip Girl world means a lot of Upper East Side drama. This episode is all about what's beneath the surface. Serena hides her past from Aaron, Blair learns that Cyrus wants to propose, and Vanessa gets caught up in the Archibald family's secrets. Joining me in this amazing episode is John Patrick Amadori, who plays Aaron Rose, Serena's artsy boyfriend and Cyrus's son. He was such a fun time on set, and Aaron had some of the best moments in season two, so here he is to answer some of our questions. Can't wait to talk to him, so let's jump right in. Hello. How's it going?
2: It's going moving, shaking. You know.
3: <laughs> Where are you? How are you?
2: I'm in. Uh, I'm well. I do all right. You know. Um, yeah. But I'm. Uh, I'm in LA. I'm at a friend's okay. apartment in our blank room. I'm having uh, work done on my house at the moment. Some foundational renovations, stuff, renovations and such. So uh, I can't be there to do this. So uh, yeah. How are you? How
3: are Aww. Things? Things are things are good. I'm so glad you're here. We are so pumped to have you. I'm like fully in your whole storyline right now. So I like feel like I'm seeing I feel like it's not been so long since I've seen you cuz you've been on my screen a lot lately, but it's really in life been really since we were filming, I feel like. Yeah. Right?
2: It has been like over over a decade since Ten, last time you yeah. and you were like sharing the same uh, vicinity.
3: Yeah, for sure. But we're so pumped to have you. I'm so pumped to have you and um so yeah, thanks for coming on. And things are good. This has just been so fun because it's like I hadn't seen a lot of this. And I remember reading your all of your stuff because I was like, who's going to be this like mysterious artist, this like hot, mysterious artist coming on? So we were all excited to see who who was going to book Aaron Rose and we're were pumped when it was you. So so welcome. And I don't have you watched the show or was this?
2: I watched, I remember, I've seen clips of the show. I remember, seeing, right. like, over the years, I've seen little bits and things that have popped up periodically. I did kind of, like, retouch on the episode that we're talking about today to kind of, like, re-f- re-familiarize with myself. And there were some things that I completely <laughs> forgot. To be honest, I don't remember a whole lot. Right. You know, I just remember that Aaron had a problem with, like, dating a lot of women. Like, every time, he was like, no, no, everything's cool. Like, she was find him with another person
3: <laughs> with another girl
2: and I was just like another one.
3: <laughs> oh my god yeah
2: <laughs> so that's yeah but I didn't I didn't know I didn't really watch the show I was also going through a period of time where like I really wasn't watching a lot of my own work so like right I was just very separate I was in my early 20s and I was just like no I do it and it's I'm um, done with it and then I learned that like it's okay to be a fan of the things that you're like doing stuff on
4: and you know
3: yeah it is, but I, I get that because I was for years, I was, I didn't want to watch either. Cause I always said, you're your own worst critic. It's like, even if you, you know, played it in a soccer game and scored, you'd be like, why didn't I pass it the other way? Or why didn't I do it this way? So sometimes I'm like, I'm just better off not watching because <laughs> I'm just picking yeah. it apart. It's hard to
2: enjoy that if you get yes. too self-critical.
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're in LA um, we have John Patrick Amadori here to rewatch and break down or talk about and reminisce about the magnificent Archibald's episode, which is season two, episode eleven. And before we jump into it, how did it come about? Like, do you remember getting the call? Was it an audition? Was it a meeting? Were you super pumped? Did you hear about the show? Like, give us a little rundown of like what was up.
2: Okay. A little extra bit of it would be Penn and I used to test against each other for Warner Brothers pilots for like five for years. years in a row. From like the time, <laughs> from like 14 until like in our early 20s, I guess, every year, every other year. And Penn, Penn booked predominantly most of them. I just know that I didn't book any of them. So if it wasn't me, it was either Penn or like something else. Uh, right. So I remember Gossip Girl coming around pilot season. And me kind of having a moment being like Penn Bachelor's gonna get it. So I turned it like the like the initial pilot down. And then Penn got for Dan.
4: It. Yeah. For, so then okay. Penn it.
2: <laughs> and then a year <laughs> later, Casting had reached out and said there's another role. So I pretty much went in and I think I was like the only person to go in. I read a scene that was either from the book or was just a dummy scene that they had written where he Aaron is talking to Serena. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like the little notes just saying like he was an artist. I knew that he I knew a little bit about him being based off of a loosely based off of an actual artist named Aaron Rose. Mm -hmm. I think if I recall correctly, there was a note about if he was any skinnier than he'd be Morrissey. I think he's like a vegan in the book.
3: Yes, I actually do remember that. Okay. Yes,
2: I took that to heart. Like I walked around every day, and I lived off of cigarettes and peanut butter stuffed pretzels. And
3: you're like, I'm getting skinny.
2: I was just like, (laughs) I just didn't stop moving, and just it didn't stop the caffeine and the nicotine. I was just like moving constantly, and I I really I held it down. I think I. (laughs) You did.
3: I mean, you. It was Aaron Rose was great. He's he's so interesting and lovely and you just played it so well. Also, before getting into this episode, um Almost Famous is one of my most favorite movies. And that's just like so dope that you were in that. How did that come about? Like you sent a tape to Cameron, correct? Yeah, I yeah.
2: It was kind of pre pre-internet days, so I don't really know how my mm. mom kind of figured out during this
3: time how to get it there. <laughs>
2: yeah like it was kind of like all of a sudden i just remember seeing variety and hollywood reporter like the trades like magazines around mm-hmm. and i know that like at some point she'd been reading and she found out there was a there was an open casting call uh to cameron Crowe, untitled based movie based off of, uh based on music so i was really i was already playing guitar at the time and starting bands right. and uh and she came in and i was watching television she said like hey the Cameron Crowe, the director of Jerry Maguire, is making a movie about music. I think we should put you on tape. And I said, yeah, sure. So I got on tape and I played About a Girl by Nirvana. I talked about how music was universal and how we can relate to it through different languages. And uh, Essentially, that was how I felt about music. And then I played Stairway to Heaven. And then like a week later, I got a phone call that they wanted me to come to L.A. to essentially play the lead character, and they asked how old I was. And my mom lied and said that I was 12, but I was only 11. <laughs> and uh, it still wasn't old enough. They're like, he really has to be 15. And then another week or a couple <laughs> days went by and they called back and said that Cameron loved my audition tape so much that he's going to write a part for me. So, that's
3: incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's, John, that's so cool. <laughs> it's,
2: yeah. It's looking back on it. like I just felt like, you know, I just went along for the ride. But now when I look back, I'm like, that was a pretty pretty neat, not normal way to kind of like have a, to book my first job. But essentially in a weird way, like I feel like just being myself and kind of following my instincts on things has been probably the the way that I've been able to like carry on for so long. It was just kind of like right. the, like, you know, the precursor for, you know, what was to, to come ahead.
3: That's like, that's so great. I love that. And how did you get into, did you just fall, you were always in love with music and did you teach yourself guitar, take guitar lessons or what? How did that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was pretty self-taught when it came to, like, movies and music. I I don't know how I just, like, I would go to the library and I would just grab CDs and stuff. And I would, uh, I listened to a lot of movie soundtracks. Like, I really loved the movie The mm-hmm. Crow when I was a kid. And there was a lot of, like, Stone Temple Pilots on it. And uh, The Cure did a cover of Joy Division. So I just kind of, like... At, Around eight, nine, ten, eleven, my whole, my entire world was just about like emotions and emoting, and you know, right. creating worlds and stuff.
3: Right, that's awesome. Were you more pumped to get almost famous or Aaron Rose and Gossip Girl? No, I'm just kidding. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. It's two totally different things. I don't, I don't but miss- that's just that's also so cool because you there are such different roles, and you know projects and the whole thing it's just really rad and it's very like i'm like oh my god that was him i knew that back in the day when you came on i remember being like oh my god he's in one of my favorite movies and then because it's just been so far we've all been so removed from gossip girl i like forget so much stuff i'm Like like yeah like even in the episode well let's get into this here we go let's get into this but here's a here's a fan question before before we go the fan question is, if you had to pick an actress to play Aaron's mom, who would it be? Considering that someone plus Wallace Shawn equals Aaron Rose. <laughs> Which, yeah, who, who would you have thought or picked?
2: Hands down, Diane Weist is the only answer ever.
3: Yeah, I love, I love that. Okay, that's great. Okay, so here's where we left off. Okay. Here we go. We're getting into The Magnificent Archibalds. Season 2, episode 11, with John here today, who plays Aaron Rose. Okay, so we left off. Aaron wants an open relationship with Serena. Lily found out that Bart has a background file on her. Jenny wants to be emancipated to start her own business, but Rufus doesn't want to sign the papers. (laughs) I mean, gossip girl. Okay, and then... Here is what this episode is going to bring us. Thanksgiving in the Waldorf house gets off to a rough start as Blair finds that her mother's boyfriend is getting in the way of her favorite traditions. Meanwhile, Lily finds herself trying to broker a peace treaty between Rufus and Jenny, and Serena is not quite ready to come clean with Aaron about her complicated past. Vanessa and Chuck come to Nate's aid when he is being forced to confront his father's crimes. Finally, Eric discovers a secret that Bart has been
2: keeping from Lily.
3: Okay, (laughs) sometimes I read these. I'm like, this is one episode, not like ten.
2: One episode. There's so much going on, and then so much, and nothing gets resolved. It's it's an Uh,
3: exactly, and then another bomb is dropped. Aaron has another girlfriend,
2: and another, (laughs) and another, and then he's uh, yeah, I don't know,
3: and then he's just yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get there. Okay, so. Um, this is the Thanksgiving episode, and Blair and Serena are by the lockers, and she's complaining about Cyrus's family being in town, which includes you.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> and the whole – also, by the way, him playing your father is just, like, awesome. And that when that happened, I forgot that that, that was even a relation – like, you were related to him.
2: I I don't know in what world that actually crisscrossed and why. I've been <laughs> such a huge fan of Wallace Shawn for so long. And I was fortunate Me to like too. spend a couple of rides to set with him. And I at the end of the first ride I told him I want to start the church of Wally Sean because we would get stuck in traffic and then he'd have just, just these little soliloquies that just would just calm the entire situation. And I feel like they were mm-hmm. somehow food related and I thought that was just magic. I mean the man's magic.
3: He's, he's so wonderful. I've loved him in so many things too. When I, when his entrance, but I just, when they dropped that he was your dad, I'm like, wait, what? I was like shocked, but I love it.
2: I know. (laughs) I'm for it.
3: And when Blair is saying like how she feels, um, how do you feel about what Blair is saying about Aaron? Like, do you think she's being unfair to you?
2: Uh, well, I mean, no, I think she's got a little bit of bias. I do think she, I, if I remember, if I recall correctly, she compares him to Bill Paxton. And I'm also a Bill he Paxton. Does. So I was like, well, I feel like this is kind of a compliment.
3: Yeah, you're like, thanks, Blair.
2: i just a little misguided because she just doesn't understand who he is. Right. But, you know, I think she's validated in her kind of, you know, I mean, she likes tradition. Traditions are fine. He's involved in that. And he's, he's mucking it up a little for her. So,
3: he is a little bit. but he's just so cute and his little voice. And he's just like, I'm like, you can, you get, you can't get cuter than that. Sure. And I thought the whole thing, I don't, you probably didn't watch the episode before this, but when she's, or a couple, she's excited to see her mom and meet her mom's boyfriend. And she's like, I, you know, Comparing him to Hugh Grant—that's who she thinks gonna is gonna walk in—and then she's like, "I got Danny DeVito, not Hugh Grant." And I'm like, "Whoa, this is like the best stepdad situation you can have. Like Mr. Hall from Clueless is everything."
4: Yes, yes, <laughs> right? Cool. I mean,
3: he's amazing. Okay, so it's Thanksgiving. Everyone's you know getting ready to go grub down, and there's a lot of family stuff going on from Nate's to Bart with Lily your family with Blair's coming together and now Nate's back at school. So this whole family situation with Nate is that his dad has been lying and stealing and like, all these things with money. Like
2: kidnapping and extorting or something too. Right?
3: Well, yeah. So now, yeah, he's back at school and Nate's kind of like shut everyone out. Cause that, you know, he was trying, he had this flirtation with Jenny. Then Dan found out and Dan was upset and he was kind of talking to Vanessa. And then Jenny went behind her back so he's now back at school. um. But in, in this situation with this family, like, y- can you imagine, like, I'm, I'm torn for Nate because it's like, it's your dad and you like, for me, like, I look up to my parents and no one's perfect, but I'm, you still like, your parents shine in a different light to you, I feel like, or for me. Yeah. So when all this is going on, I feel like he's still like forgiving and feels bad for what his dad's all doing. But like, it's pretty intense. Like he doesn't, he's like squatting at different people's homes. Like I'm like, what?
2: Yeah. When when you're talking about the, the, the things that Nate's father actually going through, I mean, they're, they're, they're wild, wild scenarios. I can't imagine my folks going to those like, you know, extremes, but I do feel like there's the, the internal battle is the inherent amount of empathy you have for your parents when they do wrong or they rub something differently. You grow up, you start to see your, for me, like I grew up, I sort of see my, my folks as, you know, people, not just like my parents. So, you know, I still love right. them and, you know, they're my, my guides, but at the same time, it's like, I can see a lot of their faults and who they are and what makes them who they are. And, uh, I think what's kind of interesting for me to go in like that kind of how I read into things is Nate having to confront such an outside kind of thing about his father is going to make him realize you know what it means to 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 be a part of a, a family and growing up it kind of makes you like grow up a little faster and maybe that in turn goes into why like you know he's reaching out and finds a little bit of solace and like his little crush on jenny you
3: know right yeah that's true
2: you know we we, we associate our minds and our bodies with different things so if something's missing over here we go over here you know?
3: yeah that's i just i'm like I'm feeling so bad for Nate because he's just like, I really feel like he has this big heart and is always, you know, trying to do the right thing. And then he, you know, the people that he's supposed to feel the safest with is like are lying and cheating and stealing and leaving. And it's like, fuck, those are your parents. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Every time he turns around, it's like, oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, so it happens. I feel
3: bad, but yeah, and I I agree with what you were saying, and in, in the and I just I have a sixteen month old and a little stepdaughter that's six, and there's no book to tell you how to be, sure. a, you know, a great parent or the right parent. You know what I'm saying? So, I think you when you get older, it's like you were saying, you see your parents as people, and when they do make mistakes, you realize it's okay. Like they aren't right. these perfect people. That when you're little, you do you think your parents do no wrong, no harm? They're the you know, and that's just not. reality when you kind of get older and you see that it's it's a little bit of like a oh okay you know what i mean oh there's a back i mean it's what you were saying yeah
2: like oh you (laughs) came from place oh you you did things
3: right (laughs) yeah
2: growing up is silly (laughs) it's
3: actually speaking of this whole situation with jenny trying to be emancipated from her parents i mean you're basically trying to divorce your parents. That's what you, that's what that is. Yeah,
2: exactly. You're 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 pretty much saying that I'm uh, capable of making my own decisions and living on my own, and uh, I don't want you to have any say in it. Which seems, you know, like a middle finger to your parents. You know, if they've been supportive to you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I. I remember reading this at the time because I was thinking, I don't know anyone that's wanted to do this or anyone that's trying to do this. And I'm, I didn't, I was like, wow, this is like a real thing. There's like kids out there that are literally trying to like go to a lawyer, get papers signed and leave their parents. Like oh yeah, that's gnarly and really sad. I feel like, like mm-hmm. you can't, you know? So when she's doing this, I remember reading that. I'm like, oh my God, gossip girl. Like <laughs> now she wants to just like go be on her own at 15 or 14.
2: It's like a, a theme, though, I think in Gossip Girl or even just this this slight genre of television is you take you take like a teen angst feeling and then you hype, you know, you you hype it to almost 100 to kind of really be able to see the black and white and the balance of. Uh, a struggle with something
3: right. Like it's not just her trying to get her dad to be like, Hey, can you do this? She like wants to start a business, leave school, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, you're, I see what you mean. And you're right. It's, it's like it's so well, far one way.
2: Exactly. percent. Like I didn't go
3: to a party and get grounded because I was like trying to like get the fabric for my clothing line. She's like, I want to divorce you, get my yeah. clothing line at Barney's leave school. Like the furthest, <laughs> It's so true.
2: It's, yeah. But I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can, um I've had some very supportive parents. And like I said, like, you know, they're, they're really important in my life. Family is very important. We're, we've always stuck together for, still to this day. Like my mom and my grandmother are in town. So. I love that. So, you know, we're, we're very close. So we talk to each other every day and that sort of thing. So. I know I did. I was around other kids that were very independent and didn't have the same relationship that I have with my folks. So, you know, it, it happens. But like I said, like, it's just the yeah. of like, what is like, Hey, I want to get a job and I want to be able to take care of myself. So I'm not reliant on you versus I want nothing to do with you. And you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know? Right. That's, that's, that's pretty wild.
3: And when she's like, when she's in shock, when they're in like this office, her and Eric, she didn't obviously know because it's also that it's that age where you think you know more than you do and you don't understand it until you're about 10 years later. Maybe not 10, but
2: like. But there's there's a weird balance between that age where, like, you think that everything is permanent, but also yep. at the same time, like, you don't understand, like, how much of the future is going to last, you know.
3: Yeah. And everything isn't so black and white and as dramatic or, you know urgent everything is real urgent at that age like you need it now you need it this every like don't you think
2: i know i I, yeah i agree i think there's a very urgent is like is a really good word for it i used to call it impatience
3: yeah that too you're just yeah you just want shit now like it's like come on come on come on and you don't think things through like rufus is a really great dad Like he really is as a single dad. I feel like he does a great job. So I'm like, Oh, she's not seeing like how much he does care and what he how supportive he really is. Mm -hmm. But at that age and how determined she is and how the urgency is. So I need it, need it. It's like washes that away.
2: Well, feelings are very, the impulsive feelings of a teenager definitely outweigh the the logistical kind of mindset that you eventually grow into as an adult, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's something too. There's a rebellious nature to, you know, not wanting to think that you know more than your parents. And sometimes like we're, we are like, we do know some of our folks don't when it comes to our own bodies and our own minds and like what we're doing. But, yeah. You know, sometimes we just don't have that kind of like sit back and like, let me hear from your side and then I'll make my decision later.
3: Right. No, we don't. Question. If you could go back for like a year to like that age, would you do it? Or are you like happy it's overdone it's a it's an odd question because it's like I do feel like as you get older life just gets better like even in my 30s I've liked it more than my 20s but I, I don't know like when I'm watching this show and like even just like the falling in love and the fashion and the things I'm like the things that aren't like as dramatic and
2: yeah well I think you know I think yeah I think the 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 sensation of nostalgia is definitely stronger than the actual like will to want to go back to being a teenager
3: yeah that's fair. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: And being around other teenagers who don't know what they're talking about, but make you feel like you don't know what you're talking about and not feeling where you belong and you know <laughs> what you want to do, but you don't know how to express it to anybody. It's a very confusing, interesting time. For <laughs> for it
3: is. And then it's like, all of a sudden you are out of high school and it's, I mean, you're still figuring shit out through your 20s, through your 30s, through life. I'm in
2: my mid-30s now. I I still, I have no qualms whatsoever about announcing that I have no idea what's going on at any given moment. That like, I don't know. There's just stuff that I have. I don't know anything about And I'm totally okay with that.
3: (laughs) You're like, okay, see? Oh, but that's good. It's okay to not be okay or it's okay to be okay.
2: It's so okay to like not know things. People are really afraid that like, you know
3: no people don't like to admit that
2: they don't and i think like i think we would all benefit from just saying like hey i I don't know what i'm talking about So just say that occasionally i don't know what i'm talking
3: yeah (laughs) i like that a lot
6: Go to Nix.com. That's K-N-I-X.com.
1: Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just Disappeared. Okay, so now we're moving into
3: like the captain returning, and Nate and his mom are staying at a friend's. Mm. And when the captain, when he has this offer, I mean, do you trust? Do you trust what the captain's saying and doing? It's, I mean, it's like hard to, but it's
2: like. Does everybody call he... him the captain? Is that what everybody calls him?
3: <laughs> Except Nate, maybe calls him just Dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, Nate still
2: calls him the captain. Can you?
3: <laughs> he's, oh. nope can't trust him i was like no we, we don't, <laughs> don't trust
2: that. he's got his own kid calling him the captain so I don't right know, now that I don't
3: <laughs> you know but i think i'm like you're in the caribbean which by the way everything you got going on and you're chilling in the caribbean i'm like even when their shit's bad sometimes i'm like that sounds pretty nice
2: <laughs> oh yeah i know <laughs> we got to go to our private island to escape the law yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs>
3: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh,
4: shucks.
2: It
3: was like when he was like squatting at his place on the Upper East Side, but he's just going to go to his Hamptons home. I'm like, Nate, that's, you're pretty, you're doing much better than 99% of the people in the world. (laughs) You have two homes within two hours apart. I mean, you're good. champagne
2: problems.
3: Champagne problems is exactly what it is. Because that being said, he may have the house on the Upper East Side. His dad may be, you know in the Caribbean and then this house in, in the Hamptons but as you see everything's falling apart so all the money in the world is not even building a good foundation for, for this kid in high school right now I mean this is gonna this is gonna fuck Nate up a little bit for a minute
2: I, yeah I think so I didn't continue to watch the show after this but now I feel like Nate might be like my favorite character because he's kind of yeah. that, he, oh, he seems to be the guy who's always trying to make the good decision and the world is always crumbling around him and he's a boy of privilege and but it, he has like an emotional tur- like turmoil around him.
3: Yeah. Oh my like God. Kind of- You're like so right on the nose. I, I, yeah. I mean, I agree. I didn't articulate it that way at all since I've been watching, but that's exactly how I would like to say it. So yes. right on. And then, okay. So now we're coming, Aaron's coming up soon. So Serena calls Blair from Aaron's studio and says that she's worried that he's seeing another woman or that you saw another woman earlier that day. And here's the thing, Aaron with Serena, a couple episodes ago when you got introduced and I'm like, I get it why she likes him. I mean, like he's hot, he's mysterious, he's an artist, he's his muse. Like there's all these things going on. I'm like, it's, it's dope, it's rad, it's amazing, I love it. And I'm like, but my thing was <laughs> at one point, I'm like, if Aaron was like seeing all these girls, maybe just tell her from jump because that's maybe, and I'm not meaning what's the norm, people to each their own, whatever you want to do but she ends up like having all these vibes and feelings for you that she's willing to try that because the Serena that I've been watching and knowing and when I was working on the show and you know reading the scripts and all the things I'm like Serena's not doing that she's not sharing her man you know what I mean so at first I'm like Aaron just tell her from jump I think you need yeah. to like tell her but but then he's like I'm just living my life. We haven't had the conversation. It's that kind of gray area in a relationship. You know, when you start dating someone, it's like, well, they didn't ask me if I'm seeing someone else. I don't really have to tell them, but it's like, yeah, but if they're like giving you all this energy and stuff, you probably owe it to them maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: No, I think, no, I agree. I, I, I believe that nearly almost every like problem, uh, argument is all from stemming from like miscommunication and or non-communication. So I agree. I think that like maybe he should have said it up front. You know, she's going to wind up. You know, what she goes through, and because I think actually the only thing that I, it's previously like she didn't. She, there's an episode where Serena like gets really drunk and she's doing drugs or something. Was that did that happen before this?
3: Yes, it was before your right. character came in. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> well, you know, in the be in a couple episodes when you were kind of being introduced, and it's the very beginning where we find out you guys went to camp years. Oh yeah, before
2: motorcycle with the girl, and she yes. shows up after she was just like she was just there, and he's already cooking dinner for someone like the next day. I remember
3: <laughs> my, my- yeah, but what I think they did a good job of because I did not ex- see it going to where it was, where you were, you know, dating all these different people and and o- kind of not an open relationship, but open relationship, you know open relationships. So when you got on the motorcycle, I thought, oh, he gave her time. She didn't figure out the riddle. She didn't come back to him. So he's moved on and people don't move on from Serena. So here's going to be a whole thing that's crashing Mm -hmm. down for Serena in the gossip girl world. And that's why the show I think is so good because looking back, I didn't, I hadn't seen all these things. So I'm like, they have so much shit going on all the time. And I still was like, oh, he's just moving on. And then I'm like, wait, he's in like so many more episodes. You fall more in love with there and you want Serena to, I mean, I I was like, date him. And then especially in this episode, when later on, when you, we'll get there in a second. I don't want to jump too far forward. It just made me so happy. I'm like, oh, he's like going to just dial in with her now. And I just liked that. But, um, do you remember all that stuff?
2: I remember. I remember kind of judging how like Aaron was coming about. I didn't know that he was going to be you know such a polygamist.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I was, and that you know me as John like that. So wasn't me. I was pure monogamy. You know, right. it, was, it was like my first long relationship at this point in my life, and so playing that kind of character, I I just remember thinking while reading the script of things. I just like oh, I just have to play it straight and kind of. Oh, this is just how things are, which I felt right. I was hoping was the right way to go about it because it wasn't a direct, you know, uh, something I could directly associate with, you know, in like my regular life. But yeah, right. I remember that. and then I, so I did like when he said, no, I think uh, I, I'm a one woman man exclusively right now, you know, it's a big <laughs>
3: And again, I didn't see that happening because the whole thing was like...
2: I mean, it's saying something to Serena, you know, hey, this is a big moment for me. Uh, I officially stopped dating other women, which seems kind of like you could have done that before. But, it's, you know, it's everything's their own. He's also a little older, right? She's like 17. Right.
4: <laughs> it's, it's Yeah. This is,
2: this is a... you know. Oh, he's been... He's like been sober and stuff for a while too in this scene, right?
4: Yeah. So like, he,
2: what is... I don't know. And all of a sudden I was remembering like, oh, what is this age difference here? Because Blake and I are roughly like the same age.
3: <laughs> right. And I don't, it doesn't really say, but you definitely feel yeah older than Serena. Like Aaron feels like he's like, you know, been around the block a little bit, a little, you know, he's traveled, you know, like
2: he's, a little bit of a you're little not work. in
3: high school. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit. Of a little <laughs> and you didn't older. just graduate.
2: He's an artist. He's got his own loft. He, he gets paid to do the thing that he loves to do. He has installations. He's, conceptually.
3: You drive a motorcycle. I mean, you, exactly.
2: That's... He rides it like <laughs> in 72, like BSA or something. It's like, you know, yes, which is like left right foot clutch too. So it's like, you know, he's a talented guy.
3: Look at you dropping down the facts with that. Yeah. <laughs> I would have never known that. That's okay. Are you I into motorcycles?
2: Oh uh, yeah. I ride motorcycles. <laughs>
3: okay. Question about that. When you had to drive away on that, did you actually, or was it a stunt double? Because on set, they're always weird about shit like that.
2: Yeah. It's funny because there's only been two times on set where I've showed up and there was either a, like a stunt that was occurring and we didn't talk about it beforehand. So no one asked mm-hmm. me if I could ride and I didn't sign anything about being able to do stunts, I don't think, because it's Gossip Girl. How often do people really do stunts on the show? All okay. right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I got there and they had me get on the motorcycle. I, I just started learning at the time; like I haven't had a license and I hadn't ridden like anything other than like a little really small dirt bike in like ten years uh, at that point. So I was mm-hmm. just like, no, I'll let the guy pull out. Plus, I'd never ridden with anybody on the back, so I decided to like stay away from. it. But uh, yeah, yeah. But I remember being like pretty pretty stoked on the bike, and it's an old school bench seat, which is so. My first bike was a Triumph, which mimicked that old style. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty rad. It was pretty exciting.
3: That's very cool. Um, okay. So while you're telling Serena that you're sober yeah, and she tells you that, do you, I remember when, when I was watching this, I'm like thinking, why not just tell him, just say like, listen, this is my past. And I had a crazy past. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if she's like, so trying to, like, get you to like her or a version of her, you know what I mean? Because I just don't understand. I'm like, Serena, why aren't – just straight up tell him. He's a pretty, like, open dude, doesn't seem judgmental, is very into you. You know what I mean? It's not like Aaron was coming across where she was going to be like, I used to drink, and you're going to be like, bye.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, he used to drink too, and he stopped for whatever reason he did. He was obviously either drinking too much or – just decided like he was doing it to fit in or whatever his reasons were. And he decided like, Hey, I'm better not doing it. So she would have just said the same thing. But I think maybe it comes from a little bit of the fact that he just said, I'm going to be exclusive with you. And then she is afraid of being judged and her being a little younger too, thinking that like, Oh, well, if I just jump on his bandwagon immediately, then we don't have to talk about it. And I think, you know, it's, that's the two sided thing there. she's, he, he just said, I want to be exclusive with you. She doesn't want to mess that up. And uh, they're also just people wanting to keep things to themselves.
3: Yeah. I do. I'm, that age thing is like a, you know what I mean? If you're, you know, 17 and dating someone in their mid-20s, early to mid-20s, you are going to yeah shift things a little bit. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You
2: don't want to seem like you don't I mean, have your stuff together because people, even if exactly. they're in their early 20s, seem like they have their stuff together. They, they don't. Right? Right. what I'm doing tomorrow.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay. So while that's going on, Eric finds out that Bart Bass knows like things on the family, like has a PI and, and goes in with Chuck and sees the whole, like, you know, this, like, what are they called?
2: The, the the files With with the lock, the safe,
3: the safe. I could not think of the word. Um And there's like gold bars in there. Like, oh, no. but and there's when sat- he finds out. He goes,
2: Is this a sat phone? Like a satellite? Yeah. Phone? And I was like, <laughs> He's excited the fact that, like, oh, I can make a call from anywhere without roaming. And I was like, The date, <laughs> this show is so dated compared to today. <laughs> That's so true. There's so much fun. Oh, my God. But I'm like, Oh, my God. But I'm so- also
3: like, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But I'm also like in this moment when they're like looking in here and there's files with everyone's names, you know, from Serena to Lily to Eric. I'm like, who, is... Bart Bass, who are you? I know you're a millionaire. I know you have this empire, but like, really, who, who are you? Or who do you think you are? Like, who does that? You know what I'm saying? I'm like.
2: He's entitled, man. He's an entitled guy. I mean, who feels like they're that entitled to like everyone's like personal, private, like.
3: Background shit? Like, come on. Yeah, it's too much.
2: I just feel like, like you know, it's respectful. Like, even in that conversation about, like, should Aaron be mad at Serena for not fessing up to drinking? It's like, well, at the same time, I can't judge somebody for whatever reason they decided to, like, disclose that. Maybe, it, you know, it really hurts whatever. And, like, you know, if I find out something, maybe hopefully they'll tell me in their own time the way that they want to tell me. It's not really my place to say how they do it. So this guy going into every, like deep diving into everybody's nooks and crannies is really invasive to me and I don't like it I don't like it Adam
3: Yeah <laughs> it was messed up I'm like what Oh man. And then you're like, no wonder Chuck has these like issues. You know what I mean? Like his dad's like looking into stuff. And listen, if you're doing that, you, you feel judged no matter what. It doesn't matter what my past is. I could have a clean live in a glass house and whatever, which no one does. But like, no matter what it is, I feel really judged and violated that you thought it was okay to do that. And like, why are you doing it? <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. It's like, you know, it's ridiculous. It is. It's absurd.
3: It's insane. Okay, so now your dad, Cyrus's family, your family is (laughs) Cyrus, are, you know, at the Waldorfs. And Blair's just like really, she's tripping over this. I mean, I feel like she's like torn. She wants to like him because he's so likable and lovely, but she like can't.
2: And she, and he makes, she she, like can't do it, you know? And that's like, that's important.
3: It's very important. Yeah.
2: But again, we're talking with teenagers. And, you know, yes. emotionally selfish people uh, as we all are as teenagers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and at this point, Dorota kind of gives her like a secret, which is like, I'm going to tell you a big thing when you're a teenager in high school. I, my parents got divorced when I was in high school. Uh, my mom didn't remarry till I was out of high school. But I, I mean, to know that like there's going to be a marriage and someone else that is really coming in and really sharing your space and your life and your relation, your mother, Mm -hmm. um, I think is like a big thing. It doesn't always need to be messy or bad. You know what I mean? Not that mine was, but it could be a good thing. You know what I mean? Like he does really make her happy, but I still think in that teenage year, it's like a very, heavy thing to take on because it's it is it's a lot it's a lot of stuff
2: change is a really big deal i mean even as an adult change can be a really really big deal you know so if you know yeah. as a teenager like i was saying earlier we feel like things are permanent yeah and, th- and ha- things happen really fast all of a sudden my mom is dating somebody oh my god he's gonna move in i'm gonna see him every day i'm gonna like you know i'm gonna know what kind of toothbrush he uses <laughs>
3: And I, my, my stepbrother might be Serena's husband, like. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then I'll never get away from these people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Serena and I stop being friends and the, he's still going to bring her over. I mean, it's a, this is a mess. It's a, it's a, it's a puzzle.
3: It, it is. How about then now when Lily finds the papers that Jenny wants to present to divorce her parents, essentially. Right. And Rufus is like tripping. He's like, I just don't know where Jenny's been. We can't find her. I mean, as a parent, that's like my worst nightmare—that my child would want to have nothing to do with me.
2: Yeah. And can you imagine if I didn't see it coming? Like if my if my child was, you know, an asshole and everybody knew it. Just kidding. I'm just being
4: (laughs) facetious. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it would it would hurt it would hurt my you know it would definitely hurt my feelings. I don't have I don't have children, but I remember there's a movie I think with Drew Barrymore in the '80s or late '70s. where she divorces her parents.
3: You know so. what? Eric mentions that in the movie. Uh, something Differences.
2: Oh, the um, what is it? Some, yeah, Something yep. Differences. Is it it's nineteen. Yep,
3: 1984. It's Ryan O'Neal, Shelley Long, and Drew Barrymore. Yep. He tells, Eric tells him that when they're with the lawyer, she made me watch it 15 times. So funny that you said that.
2: That's so silly. Yeah, I remember watching or seeing a lot of that movie, you know, a couple times in my like youth youth. And I didn't really understand it. My mom had you know, explained to me what it was about. And the thing about that is that Drew Barrymore's character is very young. She's like six, seven, eight, nine years old. Like She's a young kid. Oh, prepared. She's not a teenager. Right. So, you know, it's kind of in- So I think that's why like, that story is what it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you would, you would take it to heart. I mean, nobody likes rejection in any capacity. And when your child, right. you know, the person you're supposed to protect doesn't want you to protect them anymore. You know, that, yeah, that, that's, that's a
3: that's a heartbreaking thing. Heartbreaking, and then we, Lily has the information, so she's got to deliver this information to Rufus, who's she has a, obviously a special place for in her heart. Obviously, cares about Jenny, but is also a mother. Yes. So to know, like, if I had to call my, you know, someone I care about dearly and say, "Hey, your child," uh, you know, they're trying to be done. I mean, like, that's a really tough position to be in, too. And I think that Kelly really sees. She knows that Jenny really is a good kid at heart and she just doesn't, she's just in that it, she, it's the urgent thing I think with Jenny, but she also just knows like this is going to crush Rufus. He's this single dad that tries so hard to give these kids this good education. They're going to the school on the Upper East Side, yet they come from a totally different, you know, walk of life.
2: Absolutely.
3: So I feel like that was like a tough situation. you know what I mean? Like for Lily and to have to tell that to Rufus, I, I mean, Oh, that's tough.
2: I couldn't handle it.
3: No.
4: <laughs>
3: How about, can you handle your run-in with, with Dan and Rufus then that comes up next? Which, by the way, you look like you could have been Rufus's son. You know what I mean? I guess you did say they called you to go in, but all in this scene, I'm like, wait.
4: Yeah,
2: I did. I, I can see the resemblance. Absolutely. I just want to yeah. out a little funny note about this scene is that when they, they come around the corner and I, as Aunt Aaron Rose, I'm looking at two cans of like, Holiday peanuts, and I'm comparing them, but they're both the same exact candy.
3: <laughs> Did you notice that when you just rewatched it, or on the day?
2: I remember I when I rewatched it, I saw that, and I remember they were like, you know, you're just looking at stuff. And I remember them saying, "Hey, can you lift those like whatever you're looking at higher?" And higher? I saw that, and I for some reason I thought it'd be really funny that like this idiot. Was just looking at the same things and comparing the same cans of nuts <laughs> together. So they're just the same. <laughs> <comparing> the same, <laughs> the same can. It's
3: the same. It's literally the same can. They're identical <laughs> cans,
2: and uh, he's comparing them for price or sodium or something weight. I don't know what he's doing, but I thought that was really funny. And they're like,
3: well, it is funny. Like oh.
2: he's looking at two of the same things. I think we shot that in an actual grocery store. They just threw up some like lights, and then we shot it in like three takes or something.
3: Was it a grocery store in Brooklyn in, like, Dumbo, I feel like? It might have been. I I don't know why I think that. (laughs) But I feel like I don't know if our trailers were there and I was in the next scene. Mm. I just remember. It was a really cute grocery store, too. I remember being like, I like this.
2: Yeah, it was. It was really small. It was really quaint. It was really cute. And I remember it was a day in which, like, it was almost like, hey, we're going to shoot this scene really quick because we got bigger fish to fry. And it was just like, you know. So yeah. okay. I'm looking at nuts. I'm going to find out some stuff about my girlfriend <laughs> that I don't think is uh, very nice that this guy's telling
5: me about. Yeah. The wait is over. The shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit paramountplus.com slash the shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future.
1: It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: How is that you feel like in real life? Like, in that situation, is it as awkward as? you guys made it seem in the scene you feel like
2: yeah I think it's awkward yeah I mean I don't remember you know I think it's more awkward when you meet somebody if you meet someone like an ex-significant other and and then after the fact they're like oh yeah I used to date that person I kind of like know beforehand going in yes Not that it really makes a huge difference, but I just...
3: No, but it's better to not be in the dark. It's just like, then it it doesn't make you feel weird. It's like, I already knew, so it's fine. It is what it is. I totally agree with you.
2: So, yeah, I think it is awkward. Obviously, Dan and them have a past. You know, the way that Penn plays Dan is... He's so naturally, like, nonchalant about, you know, things. That Aaron isn't so nonchalant about. but He's nonchalant in a different way. So and I, I always kind of felt that like Aaron was kind of, the butting of heads is more about their both nonchalant demeanor and both of them yeah like, oh, this guy's an artist and he's actually super laid back, F him. And then you've got Aaron who's like, yeah, but this dude's like her age and like they've been friends and has known her for years and they actually have been together for a while. And uh, he's really cool and like laid back in uh, F him too.
3: Right, yeah. <laughs> and, but in the way you guys played off each other was really great. Cause there, it, there was that tension, but yet you're like, your nonchalant is like not uh, what I gathered from it when I was watching like nonchalant, but also pretty direct. It was wild. But uh, that was a really, I thought you guys chemistry and that whole like tension in that scene was really, really what? good. I thought,
2: yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, I think I can't remember how many scenes that I had with Penn, but like I said, like I've known Penn for a long, long time. And we used to like right. play incubus songs together. Like, we used oh, to like guitar and sing incubus. And then uh, then he moved to New York and I didn't see him for like a while. And so, and we, you know, we spent a lot of time. Like, we're both two mellow cats and yeah. we both music. We got on pretty well. So I think, I think what bleeds into the scene is probably just like us being able to like hang out and play off of each other a little bit.
3: Yeah. It was, it was I thought it was great. Yeah, there was like a couple of times we'd go and watch some of his shows when he would play mm. out and about in L.A. I remember one night like Leighton and Chase and I went and it's like so interesting to see like him on a stage. And you know what I mean? Outside of because we just were on that set so long, so many years. So it was like really nice and refreshing. And he just felt real comfortable on stage. I felt like.
2: Yeah, he, he's he's a natural performer for sure. Yeah. He's great. He is. <laughs> OK,
3: so now we have Nate. Runs into Vanessa at the gallery and he is giving her a box of Pixie box set CDs. Yes. Which, by the way, let's talk about CDs for a minute because you're you're an age where like you had CDs, right?
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: I mean, you had to like make sure you had like a CD player at home when you eventually got a car that like it had a CD player in it. I was like so OCD about them getting scratched. Like
4: they we needed to, to go.
2: The, the case... And you had a line, yes. you know, slip them in the little sleeves so you could flip through them and you had it memorized. So, like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, the organizing in which we had to do to have keep our CDs in order. And then I do you ever have like the friends who would get the CD players that like they hooked up into the car. So it was like an aftermarket <laughs> part and they would have like a CD changer in their trunk. So you'd have to like yes. get in the trunk before you got the, the six car. of them. And you would put six CDs in then get in the car and travel. And that's what you chose from. And I thought that was just normal. It was just kind of like, we can listen to that. I had a three changer radio stereo thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that in the trunk of the car. Oh my God. That just brought back so many feelings right now. I'm like thinking of all my friends in high, like Mike Emmer from high school. I'm like, oh my God, he had that John Mandel. Oh my God. Amazing. It's a trip.
2: It really is. We've come a long, long way. We long.
3: really have. Remember yeah. the um, cover? Like you would take out the little booklet of the cover, of the thing, and you could open oh, it up, yeah. and it'd have like the lyrics of the song and different photos. I mean, wow! This was like a real. It was a whole.
2: It was a whole thing. It had photos and the liner notes and people they had thanked and who produced and who yes. was on different records. Yeah.
3: Oh but you my god.
2: Know a lot about the bands, and you would listen to the thing from start to finish too.
3: Oh, start to finish for sure.
2: Absolutely. Wow, and they skipped the CDs. If yes. you like if you had your Walkman and you bumped into it, it would skip. And I remember, like you know, you would try the like the bump resistant and the bass boost. You know, there's a lot of things going on to like <laughs> to carry this big thing around in your pocket.
3: I mean, yeah, and I was so OCD about them getting scratched. Like I'd have like the towel thing to wipe it off. I never like when I would see people take it out and their fingerprints would go all over it. I'd be like, "You're a psycho!" Like.
2: <laughs> I just the idea that my, my song would skip would send me into a frenzy. Because I know that like potentially I will hit a bump or sneeze and somehow the song will be ruined for me.
3: I'm trying to think what my first CD was, but I can't I don't even remember.
2: Do you? I remember my first cassettes. I remember my first like albums that I bought a cassette. I bought Green Day Dookie and then I bought okay. Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Those are the first two <laughs> records I ever bought with my own money.
3: Oh, now you could be any age and click a button and listen no matter what. And your parents won't know.
2: <laughs> and to anything, anything, you can anything, any music from any era and nobody's going to know any better for it.
3: Yeah. It, that's not
2: spoiled. We're spoiled.
3: Yes. Okay. So Blair now is upset that Eleanor didn't tell her about Cyrus's proposal. Right. And she takes to and they leave Thanksgiving, Blair's favorite holiday. And, Dorota suggests, why don't they go feed the ducks? Because that's what Blair liked to do when she was little, which I thought was so cute. And I love their just little relationship. And they're walking. And then how funny, I was literally laughing out loud that her ringtone was, I'm a slave. I'm a slave for you by Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying. I'm like, come on. <laughs> it's
2: pretty It's pretty fantastic. Just And Blair's idea.
3: like, don't answer that. I'm like, oh my God.
2: We used to record those. I remember the first time, like I could get it. You could download like the eight bit versions of songs onto like your flip phone, and then people who had the razors could get the actual song. I mean, that was a. That was I didn't
3: ever do that, but I kind of wish I would have.
2: I had some like weird eight bit version. Like it sounded like Nintendo playing Pantera for like a long time, and like <laughs> a Queen's of the Stone Age song too. And I had it for like way too long. But some people think fancy <laughs> with it. I didn't really have too much stuff going. on.
3: I'm surprised that's not more of a thing now, or is it? Like different ringtones. Like if
2: we used to be way more. I, I don't. Maybe. 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 I don't know. Maybe I'm just out of out of the loop. But I think the personalization of things seemed very important at the time. You know, even in our voicemails used to be songs. I used to record songs like while driving in the car, or before I would get a new phone, and then instead of a voicemail saying like, "Hey, it's my phone," I would just play like 34 seconds of. Anything
3: of music, yeah,
2: of just music. It was like a you know call waiting, like oh, I put you on right. Oh, you know the beat will happen at some point.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna do that. I think <laughs> just wait for the beep, but enjoy the music for a moment. <laughs> um, Okay, so now we're back at the penthouse, and there's chaos. You're there, and Dan has brought up Serena's past, and Serena is telling you that Dan's lying. And you know what's funny? Because I've I've obviously watched it more lately than you probably have. I didn't realize this back in the day when I was working on the show, Serena's always seems to be getting caught in a lie, even if she's not lying. And Dan's like, just say it. Right. So I feel like this is a moment where it's Serena is, says that Dan's lying, even though it was really her that was lying.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I just felt like I'm like, Dan's probably like, here we go again, Serena. Like you should have just told them that you haven't been sober that long. Um, but what did you think about when she gives you the the history folder from Bart Bass?
4: Well,
2: uh, he doesn't read it, right? He decides that, I think, you know what? No. Maybe that's something that, like, he doesn't read it. He gives her and says, like, I don't need to know. it. And I think, I don't remember what he says exactly, but it maybe alludes to like how I actually am as a person where it's like, you can tell me that a lot of stuff happened to you and then you can unfold that stuff at your own pace when you feel comfortable to do it. You know, sometimes... You know, I've met people that give you a lot of information all at once. I know people that have held stuff back and, you know, everyone deals with their traumas or their triggers or whatever it is differently. So I feel like, you know, I think it's a very adult or, you know, just a very self-aware kind of move to say, you can tell me when you want to tell me because I like who you are now. And that's something also that happens. Like you grow older and it's not, I don't really care who you dated or what you did or what, what that is where people when you're a teenager that stuff is very important. Right. How many pe- how many people have you kissed is like like one of the right. first questions you ask somebody that's 16 years old you know? <laughs> and it's kind <laughs> of like I don't really care.
3: Right. Exactly.
2: <laughs> we all got lips, we all got faces and uh, you know.
3: Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, I'm like look at there's like still so much that happens in this episode and it's like almost done but so many things like drop again. It's like So much. Rufus it's just like nuts when Nate confronts his dad. Do you think at that point when Nate and his dad, he's like talking about like, I'm, you know, I'm sick of living in this like mess that you've created for us. Like, did you think he was going to turn himself in?
2: No, I kind of. but the captain. No, I didn't think so. I think I, I, I always was in with the impression that the captain is kind of a coward. And I think that's why like Nate stepping up right there is the kind of talking to that his father needs when you're that yeah. it's almost one of those reflective moments we were saying earlier like when you're when your kid kind of knows more than you do or is more self-aware of like what needs to kind of happen that's it's an eye-opening thing so
3: yeah i mean there's that thing going on and then eric finds out from lily where they're sitting in this restaurant on thanksgiving not with you know yeah. that she was in you know that at 19 she kind of was going through what he just went through from trying to take his life and He's kind of obviously shocked by it because he's like, why when I was going through this and fighting this and all these emotions and figuring things out and not wanting to talk about it, you know, with the world and the way that that whole Upper East Side is so gossipy and clicky and all the things to have this big, heavy, dark thing that you're fighting and then your mom went through it and doesn't mention it to you. I mean, like I was literally like pissed for Eric. I'm like, why wouldn't you say that? It's not like you, he went through what you went through. I mean, I know everyone's path is a little bit different, but I, I'm like, Lily, why wouldn't you have said something?
2: Yeah, I, I would think that by opening up, I think especially when you're going through dark times like that, you feel like you're alone. So that's, that's the thing. To know that someone else is going through something similar or whatever doesn't always help, but it, it definitely can, especially if it's your mother.
3: Yeah, I just – I maybe not – yeah, it may not always help, but I just feel like when it's your mother and it's your son and that's – you know what I mean? Like that to me, I'm like, wow, that's wild. But again, it's like what you said earlier about Serena not telling you with the – being sober or drinking rather is maybe Lily had her reasons and we – I shouldn't judge her for that. Maybe she – there's a reason why – maybe she was protecting him in a way or that – a way that – you know, so – there's probably something there. I just remember that was another shocking moment for me. I'm like, wait, what? You went through that? And we know what Eric was like fighting and you didn't mention it, but.
2: No, listen, let, when I was younger, during that almost famous era, I was quite chubby and I had long hair and people used to call me girl and make fun of me a lot. And I had my ear pierced and mm-hmm. I got a phone call from my grandmother and she said, uh, she goes, John Patrick, I hear that some kids are giving you a hard time. And I said, "Yeah." She says, "Do you know what the kids used to call me when I was in school?" I said, "No." She said, "Am a dorky." Aw. And I was like, "That's not nice." She's like, "No, it wasn't." But you know what? It doesn't matter. And I was like, "That's right. It doesn't matter." So.
4: Mm.
3: Yeah. Oh my God, your grandma's so cute.
2: She's she's fantastic. You know, she saw me going through something, and she wanted to kind of say, like, "Hey, kids are goofy, and they do the wrong thing," and that made me feel better. So, I, I the right wanting Lily to open up to her son, who's going through a, almost an identical situation, seems kind of a mis a misstep on her part. And I also agree that it's hard to not judge somebody because I, you know, I think being judgmental and judging people for their mistakes or whatever is it's not necessarily conducive to a healthy relationship. So right. it's 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 a really tough line there, you know, whatever her mm-hmm. reasons are, especially as a parent.
3: Right. <laughs> I just also was like, wait, that was in that folder. I There was a part of me that's like, do I want to know what's in a, everyone's folder and everyone's pat? Like, <laughs> you never know on this show. <laughs> they bring out some skeletons on this show. Um, and then, okay, so now we have, Blair and Rhoda are still walking around the city and they run into a crying Jenny who when Jenny has some of these emotional breakdown scenes, I'm like, so feeling for her. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, like she, she's a little, she's lost. Like literally like she wants to leave her parents. She's at this age. There's a weird thing going on with Nate. She's not sure if she pissed off Vanessa. Dan's upset with her. I, it, there's just a lot going on.
2: It's way, way too much. For, yeah. she's Like 15 or 16 years old.
3: Yeah. Emotionally, it's just, yeah. So they see her and I, this moment between all of them, like Dorota seeing Blair's mom get out of the taxi to find her, which is such a lovely moment for Blair. Cause she's literally just telling Jenny, like you have parents that fight for you. Like my parents don't pay attention. You know, my mom doesn't pay attention to me essentially is what she's saying, which is really also sad. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, and I find that like when, when Blair's telling Jenny that it's like, here you are, you have like someone who loves you and cares for you and wants to support you in certain ways and also is like trying to protect you in certain ways and you want nothing, you know, th- to me, I was like, and and then she wants nothing, she wants to leave her dad. And here is Blair who's like, oh, that's all I want is for my mom to like support me, love me. So I, I liked the way that kind of, when I was watching, I'm like, wow, you have me thinking all these different things about this
2: right now. yeah, it's, it, it, it's heartbreakingly sweet, that scene.
3: Yeah, when she puts the coat over Jenny, like, and Dorota's just always so cute. Absolutely.
5: The wait is over. The shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit paramountplus.com slash the shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. This is it, your moment. This is
0: your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of
3: Then, okay, here's, this is like interesting too now. So Nate's there and is talking with Vanessa and Chuck are there to like kind of be like, hey, glad you're, you know, you got your house back and you're going to be here. And he then, him and Vanessa kind of something sparks again and they decide to maybe meet up and, you know, he says, I haven't heard from Jenny in a while. And she's like, okay, yeah, maybe we can, you know, hang soon or whatever. So cut two. then we get to the Humphrey loft and, and Dan and Rufus get there and they're hoping Jenny's there and she comes around the corner. I started crying. I'm like, oh my God, this baby girl's there.
2: She comes around the corner. She rips it all up. It's fantastic.
3: Yeah. And then um, Vanessa's there and the whole like, I was like, wait, what's going to happen with this? Like the mail. I remember when Dan was like bringing up the magazines. I'm like, that's kind of a weird moment to bring it up. They're just getting right. Even, just tell her later. So I'm like, wait, oh, yeah, she's going to see the letter from Nate that he wrote in the mail. And she sees this letter. And it, what the funniest thing is, is when she, when Vanessa decides to get up and go read the letter, I'm watching it and she opens it and reads it. And it's not my hands. I'm like, those are not my hands. <laughs> 100% someone else did the insert that day, whether I was like filming another scene or left for the day. But I rewound it three times. I'm like, that's so weird because I would have never remembered if I if you know they filmed me, but I was actually shocked that I didn't I, I couldn't remember if she actually opened the letter or not. And then when I when she was leaving the table, I'm like, oh shit, Vanessa does. Cause that's not something Vanessa would do. Like there's times where she could have opened computers and looked and doesn't mm-hmm. and like, you know, peek around at it and she just didn't. So I always kinda, you know, that was me. I'm like, that's that's great, Vanessa. That's like a nice quality to have. And here she takes the note and opens, opens it and reads it. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And I'm like, in, you know, how Gossip Girl is, I'm like, oh, shit, shit's going to go down in the next couple episodes now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I was a little... Did you think she was going to open it or did you remember?
2: I was, I, was, I was a little shocked. I didn't remember it at all. I was shocked, though. Yeah,
3: like, I didn't either. The
2: only reason why I'm not shocked is because what you just said, it's almost like the writers know how to take you in one direction. And then when you think, like, oh, everything's going to be hunky-dory, like, they make your yeah. character do something in which, like, oh, I, wouldn't, I would not have done that with the character. There's a whole hour right. to take
3: with it. Right. <laughs> it's insane. We also to have talked about this a lot doing the inserts because there's so much stuff on the phones. Oh, yeah. If you found out that you had to be at work you know, for another four hours doing inserts, like your hand on like a your elbow on like a pad. Used to,
2: it had to be so perfect. Like,
3: yes, tilted a little to the right.
2: Focus, like how far away, how close the yes. touching, the moving. I mean, I, I, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at it. Because (laughs) it's such an essential part of being on television these days. It's using phones and stuff.
3: Yeah. How about that? Like, there was a time where you wouldn't have a scene where there was a phone in it. I feel like I asked some friends years back that were writers. I'm like, how much does that change? They're like, everything. You used to have to, like, have obstacles to figure out how you were going to get, you know, figure out the conflict and the solution and all these things. Or figure out what the conflict was and do this to get that. Now you just are like, oh, text the person or Google it or do that. They're like, so you, it's so much actually more difficult is what my friend was saying. And I'm like, that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I was watching something the other day and someone was leaving a voicemail for somebody and it was a split screen and the person was ignoring the phone call for whatever reason. But then the person, instead of hanging up the phone and then texting them what they said in the voicemail, they like waited and were like, well, hopefully she'll call back. I was like, no, 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 no. Send the text message and send an email. It's urgent. This is a life and death situation.
3: <laughs> exactly, and
2: it was like that was a, that was a huge plot hole to me. I was like, we have the means. Like exactly, we have the means. We can build.
3: It's <laughs> It's so true. Well, I I jumped before when when I said that she uh, Vanessa saw the letter. There's a moment though back where your whole family is, where Blair's dad is there. To kind of give his blessing about your dad to marry Eleanor, which I thought was so cute. They like turn and then you see her like Blair's dad like pop around the corner. I'm like, that's so sweet and cute. And he has the largest
2: pumpkin pie I've ever seen.
3: Oh, my God. Literally, I've ever seen. I'm like, who? where'd you get that?
2: It's a hubcap (laughs) for like an F-150 or something.
3: (laughs) It was so big, John. You're so right. Holy crap. Do you remember filming on that set?
2: With the stairs and uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I spent. I think um, I always liked
3: filming in Blair's. I think we had the that. wedding
2: scene there, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's also when I found yeah. out that Aaron Rose was Jewish because I wore a yarmulke. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, in that episode I found out because they were like, "All right, here you go," and they put a yarmulke on me. I was like, "Oh, I didn't put, I didn't put yeah. any of these numbers together to like right." <laughs> I mean, we got Wallace Shawn, and my last name is Rose. I don't know what where what planet I was on. <laughs> oh my god! That was a really nice Little set. fun. I, I liked our stages a lot. I really did.
3: Yeah, they were beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much wraps up the episode. Um, because you're a musician and love music so much, which I'm not a musician at all, but I'm very into music and live music and festivals and all the things. The soundtracks and the playlists that I've made while watching these—they they are, are so great. Like the music on Gossip Girl is so great. Like some. I'm like, I talked to Josh and Stephanie on their episode about it. I'm like, you guys killed
2: it. Yeah, I remember, I think I heard, I think in one of the scenes I wear a Sonic Youth t-shirt and that's outside the hotel we used to shoot at a lot. And it was because we found out that Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon from uh, Sonic Youth, their daughter was a huge fan of the the show. show and they used to watch the show with her. And I think they actually wound up being on the show or using some of their music. I, th-
3: I believe so. Yeah.
2: A couple episodes after I was in, uh, after Aaron Rose's story ended and I was like kind of bummed about it. I was like, I could have been around, but I've seen Sonic yeah. and, like a, a lot <laughs> in the days. But yeah, Me I, too. I it was really cool. And also the Pixies reference. I've seen the Pixies play yes. loads of times. So I was uh, yep. reflecting on it. I, I can kind of say like, yeah, like, you know, Gossip Girl, uh, they had some good taste.
3: They did. And it went all over. I mean, it would be the poppiest song and then some like indie band that I'm like, I forgot they even had this song. And then it would be some like weird, like French song. And I'm like, this is dope too. Like I just, it was like right on that. I like it, like it so much. Every time I'm like watching an episode, I'm like, I'm making this a playlist. I'm adding this. And then I'm like, wait, I forgot about them. I have to go back and like dig out my CDs. I would (laughs)
2: rewatch the show just for the playlist to like rediscover some old stuff.
3: Yeah. I should, I'll send you a couple. Oh
2: yeah. Fantastic.
3: That I've made. I mean, it's literally me shazamming and then adding it to my playlist. <laughs> it's literally just from the show. But um, yeah, okay. So here is our Gossip Girl closing quote. As the end of another holiday draws near, I'd like to take a moment to list all the things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that no matter how dark things might get, old friendships can still be rekindled. I'm thankful for new relationships that help us realize how far we've come from who we were and how close we get when we can really be ourselves. I'm thankful to know that no matter what they say, you can go home again, whether it's your home or not. But the thing I'm most thankful for, how even the most giving of days, people can still do something unforgivable. Sign, Stealed, Delivered. I'm yours, XOXO, Gossip Girl. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. Well man yeah i feel like shit's really about to hit the fan with with v and j and little j like all the things but <laughs> oh, and i don't remember really so i'm like that's what's been so fun like i get to go like be like what what did they do or what happened or does she end up dating nate or you know it's so fun because it's just been so long and so many storylines you know like everyone hooked up and everyone did things in you know on the show like so anyways i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what happens
4: it's
2: very very exciting
4: yeah
3: yeah okay so let's talk about dear white people if you want to how was that that was
2: i you know, i loved working on that show it was probably well we did four seasons over five years and we all grew up we're all like in our late 20s we're all in our mid-30s you know we have been through everything mm-hmm. together and we were kind of our own little our little punk rock show you know, we had our little circle. We walked in like the outsiders at every event together, like arm and arm, us against the world, sort of thing. No, it was really great. I really miss like the writers and Jacqueline Moore and Justin Simeon, the creator and showrunner of the show for the last couple of seasons. Like, you know, been a huge influence on just kind of helping me, kind of just be more present with things. You know, it was a, it yeah. was a really good uh, experience, not just as a you know performer, but on a personal level.
3: Yeah. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. And um, are you working on anything now? Are you doing music still? You're you're, like always doing music, Um, right?
2: Yeah, I'm always playing. Um, I haven't had time to kind of like record anything in a long time. I've recorded a lot of demos. Um, I -hmm. shot a film that I don't know if has a title at the moment uh, back in October of 21. I just did ADR for that. I just wrapped the first season of a show called Three Women. Uh, It's going to be on Showtime. It's uh, starring uh, Duwanda Wise, uh, Shailene Woodley, and uh, Betty Gilpin. Uh, Blair Underwood's also Amazing. Yeah, it's a a a spectacular cast. It's based off of a nonfiction novel. So it's based off of the three women and about their encounters of, like, their relationships and stuff, but also semi-autobiographical. The Shailene plays about the writer and how she's – Writing the book, and I play her love interest on that, and we just wrapped that, and uh, hopefully that'll be out in like November.
3: Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I love that. What good come all of you, all of you together. That's just like some magic there. That's so cool. It's
2: it's amazing. I mean, because these days, you know, we don't do real table reads. It's all Zoom related, and mm-hmm. uh, like they make the silly Zooms unsilly. Like they just, you know, we sit down, we read it. Betty Gilpin is crying through like laughing fits because her character is just (laughs) out of control and she brings it all. And, you know, DeWanda's in the same thing and I just, you don't feel silly about performing and it's right. a really, really great experience working on that.
3: Wow. And this is called Three Women?
2: Three Women, yeah.
3: Okay. I'm very excited. It feels like it's like right up my alley and like I'm fans of all, yeah, I'm very pumped. Yeah, I really
2: believe, uh, there's something in it. It's you know, it's a show about traumas and judgment and judging ourselves and self-awareness and how we deal with our own stuff. And uh, you know, it's it's from the woman's perspective and uh, a woman's gaze dealing with the male gaze and how that affects. It's it's you know, I feel like I've been very fortunate to work on projects that are also learning experiences. You know, I, I enjoy people, yeah. and this is a very like uh, it's a very human show. So I, I, I yeah, I really you know, I, I think you'll like it a lot.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm very excited. Oh my gosh. Yay. I have my new show. I'm like I'll be waiting. I'm like I'll be the first person to like tune in. Um, Well, thank you so much. And I'm also, I want to come watch you when you play music. Like Brad and I will come. We like, it's our favorite thing to do. We like met at a music festival. Our daughter's name is Bowie. So we love, I'd love to like come and watch you and like every, every band and things you were dropping. I'm like, okay, he's got like great taste and this is dope. So I'm into it.
2: I'm planning on uh, recording uh, an album or a record or whatever my amalgamation of different sounds is over the next couple of months. And uh, so I'll send you some music. And then when I get to get some people together to play it, because I record and play all their instruments myself, I might have some That's people That's
3: so on. awesome. Oh, my God.
2: Trying to
4: play some shows. <laughs> Absolutely.
3: That's so great. I'm come for sure coming. So, and thank you for coming on. This was great. This was no, like so great.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, it was
3: fun. John Patrick, this was such a treat. Glad life is treating you so well. And I can't wait to catch up again soon and catch you in your new projects and come listen to you jam out. You are really a wonderful real artist in real life, not just what you played on Gossip Girl. I really dig your vibe, dude. I dig it. Thank you so much for joining me today. For you listeners, you know the drill. I'll be back next week. I'm so excited, y'all. Okay, so we'll see you soon. XOXO is produced by Propagate Content and me, Jessica Zor. Our show is executive produced by Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Kristen Vermilia, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Original music by Moxie and Loon, and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky.